Hello and welcome back to another episode of Box to Box. I'm Alex Perry alongside my co-host Jesse Levine. Filling in our friends of the pod and frequent guests, Christopher Lewis and Ben Santilli, who has just put on his Pittsburgh jersey to piss Jesse off. And I feel like there'll be plenty of that going around on the pod today with some of the opinions that some of us are looking forward to bringing to the table. But we start off with the FA Cup final and Liverpool once again prevail over Chelsea in penalties after a nil-nil draw over 120 minutes. Um, second trophy of the season for Liverpool, second of three, second of four, second of two. What are we thinking? It's your last trophy of the year. Um, I will get to that. Um, I actually, I think we should, we should get to that a bit later. Um, I mean, it's, I think we're all in agreement. We, we can start with it now if you want. No, no, no. I think just it will be better if we transition from that to to other topics. But I mean, what we can all agree on though is that the the job that Klopp has done, he's he's now won every possible trophy available to him at Liverpool. Um, you really cannot put into words just how incredible an achievement that is, given where Liverpool were when he took over. He, he's generational, and I think once he's you know once he leaves Anfield. There should, there should be a statue of him outside. I mean, he will go down alongside the, the managerial greats in Liverpool's history, uh, among Gerard Houllier, among Bob Paisley, Bill Shankly, Kenny Douglas. Jurgen Klopp, at this point, is right up along. Right. Him. I, there really can't be any argument, can there? Yeah, I, I 100% agree, Alex. I mean, if you look at some of the – not just the job he's done with the players he's had, but the, the business has, that has been done by Liverpool – I mean, I know last podcast we were kind of joking about the amount of money Liverpool spent in, uh, in terms of players, but they've also generated that revenue. They saw some really bold decisions that they've had to make, getting rid of two of their the two leaders, really, of the last 10 years. Luis Suarez selling him and then selling Coutinho as well. I mean, these are bold and very risky decisions when you sell your best player. And we've seen it work out for the better, and we've seen it work out for the worse. I mean, if you look at Barcelona selling Neymar, they went and used that money for on, on no one, someone that hasn't been productive in Dembele, Griezmann, and others, and even Coutinho at that, at that matter. sold, exactly. Exactly, trying to replace, and they really haven't been the same team since. Uh, if you look at Liverpool, on the other hand, they take the money from, I, I don't know if it was Suarez or Coutinho. Coutinho. I want to say it was, um, on, it was Coutinho. Yeah. And they buy Van Dijk and they buy Allison. Yeah. I mean, this is incredible business by Liverpool being done. So, and, and just, not to mention that though, I think there's hidden gems in the transfer market that no other like big, like they didn't really have to compete for certain other signings. Um, and you know, they weren't really these are players, some of them that weren't really on the radar of of some of the other top clubs. And I'm looking at players like Fabinho, Mohamed Salah, Gini Vinaldum. And they've been signed and they've become one of the best in the world, the best in the world, or not one of in, in their respective positions. I, um, I think there's more just, than that. I think Klopp has made a lot of these players so much better that no one had really given much of a thought to. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I know that this was a January signing, but in terms of January signings, is there's there ever been a bigger one, at least in this season than Luis Diaz? I mean, what a job he's done at the Liverpool Tottenham game is looked by far the most threatening of the front three. Save save in my trip game, to England. And like I said, yeah, the last save time. your trip. Um, 
for this game looked at many times the most threatening of the front three. Took over Jota's spot, who really was doing a phenomenal job, and now he's really become the super sub versus Diaz, which many thought he would be the super sub. Like, what job, what a sign that is. And kind of out of nowhere in this aspect that they have a front three. They have Firmino as well. Was They have a Rigi. Like, what we didn't really see the need for, and all of a sudden he's proving why he should have been signed. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think they've done some impressive business in that regard. Uh, like, like you said, it, it is impressive when you bring in a certain amount of players and you can keep the cycle going over a number of years rather than just a flash in the pan. Uh, statue worthy, I think, Curry is a little bit of a different uh, debate, but I think in general, Klopp's done a pretty good job of keeping the cycle going and keeping them extraordinarily competitive, even during the time like last year when Van Dyke was out, keeping that team afloat and keeping them in the Champions League so that they even have a chance to compete for this final coming up. Yeah, and that, that's the other thing as well. Uh, and that just adds to what an incredible story it's been. I mean, Liverpool in Champions League final, a year ago, they needed a, a stoppage time header from uh, Alison Becker to just keep them in contention. And they're now in the final, which we will get to. And I know Chris has plenty to say about that. Um, but before we do, really quickly, the relegation battle, we have an update between Leeds, Everton, and Burnley. One of them will go down. As the table stands, Everton are at 36 points. 36 games played, Leeds, 35 points, 37 games played, Burnley, 36 points, 34 games played. This week, Burnley have Aston Villa. Uh, they are away at Villa on Thursday. Everton are home to Crystal Palace. And then on the final day, Brentford, or Leeds are away at Brentford. Burnley hosts Newcastle, and let's pull up. And Everton have that massive away trip to Arsenal that we have discussed. So this will kind of tie into the top four race as well. Um, but really quickly, who are we who are we backing to maintain their spot in the Premier League? It's it's who do I want or who am I back? See, like, I know. mean, we, we know no one wants Everton. I, I think we can agree on that. I want Everton. Uh, no, ben, does, ben does just because he hates Liverpool. But. <laughs> it's only to spite you, Perry. And um, the whole club will go up in flames if they go down. Exactly. But who, who, who do we think stays up? I, I said last show, I last said last show, looked like Leeds are at the bottom. What a huge point from them today. Um, huge, huge point. I mean, they, they have no shot when it comes to goal differential, if it goes to a tie. So that draw today was massive. Burnley getting a loss versus Tottenham, which I actually don't think they played that badly in. Um, I think that the pressure is all on Burnley now, even with the game in hand over Leeds. I think Everton are starting to look safe. I know they lost today. Um, and I know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Drinkwater was a, a birthweight. Who, who got the red card? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, it was Braithwaite. It was Braithwaite. Thank you. Yeah, it was Braithwaite. I got, they, they got the red card while they're up one nothing. Kind of a fluke goal goes in off a defender's head. Then they score, and then they give up two in the second half. Very tough game for Everton. But just thinking the last two games, I know Everton's playing Arsenal. But that's a winnable game, and Everton still have some talent. I know they've really underperformed uh, this year. But in terms of if you look at the roster, those three, Everton's by a mile better than all of them. So I'll take Everton to stay up. At this point with the Leeds win, I'm going to take Leeds to stay up as well. I think Burnley's going to be the odd team out. Yeah, I think I kind of agree with that, Jesse. I, I mean, 
as we said, everybody's really shocked that Everton are even in this position, right? Like it's so ridiculous to us based on the roster that they have, based on the amount of money that they've invested, based on even how they played in a lot of games, having a lot of the results just not really fall their way. Um, so I think, you know, with that quality, I think Everton will find a way to stay up and maybe get a result against Arsenal next week. Um, but, you know, it, it just seems like, you know, Leeds and Burnley don't have that same level of quality and therefore, you know, sometimes the, the water rises back to its level. You know what I mean? Not to mention Everton also have a game in hand on, um, on Leeds as well, playing at home. Against Everton, win that. Everton win that, their safety has been secured, like mathematically secured. Um, Absolutely. Chris, That's a very winnable game. Chris, uh, why don't we get you in here before we transition? Uh, I just think, for me, Everton for the last few years, as they've been trying to think that they're, you know, a big club. I mean, you know, historically, they, they deserve to be in the Premier League, but they waste their money. They try to, to have this, this you know, you know, bring Ancelotti last year. Ames. Thomas, they're they're pretending, and I don't think they're just trying to throw everything, everything at. We deserve to be in the Premier League, and I don't know. Somehow they're gonna stay. I I don't want them to stay, but they're gonna stay in the Premier League this season. And I mean, I think Leeds deserves to stay in the Premier League as well. So I mean, I think who the bottom three is, and right now I think they're all gonna go down. I just want to point out a quick question. A quick question in the chat. Yeah, has there. What has been a more disappointing season, Everton or Aston Villa? Everton. Everton. Everton, definitely. Uh, I I mean, Aston Villa haven't performed as well as they should have given the quality of players. But you could argue that Everton's right up there with, uh, in terms of just uh, the raw talent in the squad, there isn't much of a difference. And one, even though, you know, in Aston Villa, yeah, they weren't as high up the table as they probably would have hoped for. Um, They're not basically on the brink of relegation you're um, you're right you're, you're right there i, I just think it's I, look, question. I just i look i look at it and i go you have the top six you have west ham and then you probably go wolves in terms of just roster wolves yeah. west ham sorry wolves villa and everton in terms of roster and then maybe brighton that's what i would so to see those two teams have such a poor year with the talent that they have i'm just it's just such a shock yeah, so here's here's my take on who gets relegated, and th- this will transition us to the the next topic. I think I think that if Arsenal get a win against Newcastle, they'll get the job done against Everton. Uh, Arsenal are away to Newcastle tomorrow, or when this is out later today at three p.m. If Arsenal drop points at Newcastle, I think I think it all comes crashing down for them, and I think Everton get a crucial three points, and in that case, they're safe. I think Everton would be safe. Having said that, man, you know, Burnley, I, I don't expect Burnley to get much against Aston Villa. Maybe they get a point. But I think, honestly, I think Everton go down if Arsenal... So if, if Arsenal are fourth place in final day, Everton will go down. Um, and if they're not, if Arsenal drop points to, to Newcastle, I think Everton will get a good enough result there, whether it's a draw or win a security survival. Um, and in that case, I think... I would, I'd have to say Leeds are going to go down. I just, I don't know why I get a sneaky feeling about Burnley. Um, you know, Newcastle at home isn't the toughest opponent. The, the, this is a team that just, you, you see the character, the, the willingness to fight tooth and nail that you don't, haven't necessarily always seen from Leeds this season, haven't necessarily seen from Everton. But I, I think now, ultimately, and we'll get to the top four race, I think it will be Burnley who, I think it will be, sorry, I think it will be Everton 
who, who end up going down. That's my hot take. Maybe it's Liverpool fan in me coming out. But let's get to the top four race because I've alluded to that. Arsenal must win away at Newcastle uh, later on, on Monday at three if they're going to keep their top four hopes alive. As it stands, Tottenham, after a, getting that point at Anfield, after blowing Arsenal out of the water in the North London Derby, as Ben predicted, um, sit fourth, two points ahead, but Arsenal do have a game in hand. My predictions came really right this weekend, honestly. I'm really proud of myself. Even the FA, FA Cup final, I called going to extras. I, I should start sports betting. Um, <laughs> Arsenal have a very interesting task at hand here because – with Tottenham, ha- like them having the game in hand, really, like at least for the for the day, you know, it, it's got to be so defeating to kind of lose your spot to Tottenham and then have to just see them ahead of you in the table constantly. And I feel like they're going to really, really struggle with that mental fortitude to really overcome that deficit, right? I think that I think Ben's very spot on with this. Um, number one, fuck Paul Tierney, but that's not the reason that they they lost the game. But I will say, fuck Low Paul Tierney. Loki a Tottenham fan. Not the first time he's made questionable not, decisions. I should say, not the first time he's taken a game into his hands this year. I mean, get it. should be held accountable. But I do want to point out something tactically with that game. And as I did mention on the podcast, and I'm really surprised, I think was a real letdown from Arteta, is what I've seen from Arsenal a lot this year is they've had a starting lineup, but they that starting lineup, once these guys start performing, they have a win or two, and they don't change. Like they, they want to keep it moving and it happened. I think it's a big downfall of Arteta. And the biggest thing I can think of is besides for this game is the Arsenal Liverpool game where Liverpool won for nothing. And Nuno Tavares was on the left back of the back four. And for that game, they were, they were on a good hot streak and Arteta kept Nuno in and he played God awful. And it was very clear that Tierney should have been back there playing since he was healthy. But because they were on a win streak, because Tavares was playing decent, he went with Tavares. And he went with that, but just that same back four that he's been going with. In this case, they just won a game against Leeds where Tomiyasu was on the left and Cedric was on the right. I look at Tottenham game and I said, I really expect for Tomiyasu to go back to his, the right-hand side to deal with uh, Youngman's son. And he stayed on the left. And what happened? Cedric played it god-awful. He's not a good enough right back. He's certainly not a good enough left back, but I, that's a real like the one criticism I really have of Arteta is he goes with what worked previously a lot of times versus what the best option is on the guys he has available to match up against. So it's just little pointers like that. The first penalty, which I don't think is a penalty, but again, that's Cedric on the right side, fouling Sun. Um, the holding, and then you know, it was downfall, downfall from there. But I just think that's one big criticism of Arteta there that just should be pointed out is the lack of changing when things are going right to even just adjust. I mean, it could be little things of just switching one winger from one side to another, or just that left back, right back scenario. Um, just wanted to point that out there. I think Ben nailed on the head there and Alex as well. I think it's a great prediction. I think if Arsenal do beat West Ham, sorry, not West Ham. Wow. Newcastle. Newcastle that they, I think we'll get the job done versus Everton. But as you've seen, they're a very streaky team this year. They lost three straight games to Brighton, to um, Southampton, I believe. Yeah. And 3-0 versus Crystal Palace as well. All of a sudden, then they go on a nice streak. So I think that's a spot-on prediction. They could take care of um, Newcastle. I think they're going to beat Everton. I think if they lose, downward spiral into the season. Yeah, I mean, I think we can expect Tottenham to take care of business against Norwich on the final day. 
Norwich are relegated, nothing to play for. That should be an easy one for them. You know, I, I think, Ben, you, you, you mentioned how mentally it's, it's draining for, for Arsenal to have been in that top four spot and to now, this close to the end of the season, even though they have a game in hand, see Spurs above them in the table. And what I would say to that is I think, as defeating as that is, especially after just losing the Spurs pretty badly in North London Derby, I would say that if you're Mikel Arteta, and I think what Mik- the message Mikel Arteta has to deliver to his players is that, look, if, you know, if we had been into at the start of the season, someone said, win our last two games of the season, guaranteed Champions League football, they take it. And that's the perspective I think Arteta has to go for it. And I think, you know, that, that's, that's the flip side of the coin mentally. It's still in Arsenal's hands. Um, and I think, I think Arteta can play off that. I think the players can play off that. Um, you know, Newcastle, they've been in good form, but don't have much to play for. I just see them getting the job done. Um, Tottenham have had a good run, but I think Arsenal just beat them by by a hair. Hmm. I mean, do you which which team do you think is really more Champions League ready then, Arsenal or Tottenham? Because uh, for me, it's Tottenham, and I, and I think that comes from a the experience that they have, and b the um, you know the coaching that they've got. I mean, I'm I've made it very clear that I'm a big fan of Antonio Conte, but I think the you know way that they've constructed their squad, I think Tottenham is actually a better top four team if you're rooting for the Premier League to do well in, in the Champions League, right? I mean, Arsenal, as good as they played and as good as as well as they've made themselves a candidate for, you know, Champions League contention right now, I mean, is Arsenal ready to go through a group stage next year in the Champions League? I mean, that that depends, I guess, on the window maybe, but there isn't enough leadership to me. I think Arsenal's a very young team, and I think if Arteta's able to find his way into the Champions League, it'll show that he's really done a lot of overcoaching to the point where, where he's getting this team to overperform because uh, overall, I don't, I think Arsenal as the young team that they are, if they're able to overcome some of these mental uh, struggles, these stumbling blocks, I guess, that are, are in front of them, I think that would be pretty, pretty shocking and, and incredible. Chris, yeah. what do you, for, for who's more mature? I mean, who's more mature? It, to, to perform in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, you have Champions a bunch of night for Arsenal. There's a bunch of 19, 20, 20 year olds. They're not ready. They've, I think they have about two more years until you say, wow, that's a great Champions League team. They're a great Premier League team, but they're not ready for Europe. If they go against, you know, if they go back into the Champions League, it's just going to be like what it was a few years ago. They'd be playing a team like Bayern Munich. You get that, you know, 8 2 scoreline that Arsenal would get and then like but that's not it wouldn't be good for them because there's just a bunch a bunch of young kids getting you know thrown to the wolves of of Europe I think at least with Tottenham you have players that have played in the in the Champions League they deserve to be in the Champions League I mean not to mention the manager I mean they have an elite manager and Antonio Conte whose record I will say in the Champions League is not great poor. <laughs> um, but but Chris, so who, who are you backing to get that top four spot uh, um, in less than a week's time? See, I don't like either of the teams, but sorry, Jesse, I'm I'm rooting for for Spurs just because of the maturity. Like like Ben was saying, the maturity of Tottenham is is, is just a, miles ahead of, of of a young team like Arsenal. Do I just, that? Do you think Ar- But who do you think gets there? Do you think Arsenal can beat New? Do you think Arsenal can see the job done? I think you know. I mean, maybe they could. I, I'm not saying they can't, but I don't see it happening. I think, you know, with a young team, they might see that they've lost a few games and then they, they, they might try to, you know, overperform like, and they just make a lot of mistakes because that's what a lot of young players do. They make mistakes and they might just not, they might let 
you know, Newcastle beat them. Ben? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Tottenham, Tottenham find the way. Um, I mean, even it's, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to really give that edge to Arsenal, especially when they have a huge game against Everton where both teams are going to be fighting for their lives. I think that has a recipe for a tie in there. I, I really do think that Arsenal-Everton game is, is going to be a tight one. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say probably Tottenham squeak through. I am going to go with Arsenal, but I do absolutely agree with the rest of you guys in terms of the maturity of Tottenham. And as I said, Alex, when they were played Liverpool, I predicted Tottenham to win, and they almost didn't. I think right, they probably should have. Um, I think they're more deserving to win than Liverpool. They beat City. They put up strong performances against teams. And there are two, two to three men show, but more than likely that those two to three guys carry them. And sometimes cool stuff scalping in that three. Um, they're a more mature team. They're more um, ready. But um, I'd, I'll, I'll, back, I'll back Arsenal on this one um, to, to win both, even though I don't think it will happen. I'll just do it out of spite. Okay, but Jesse, I mean, your, your predictions for Arsenal have been spot on, and this is the prediction. Fine. Fine. If you, if you, if you want my actual... Your real take. I mean, my, you, you haven't really been too, too wrong. My real take is that we lose to Newcastle. All right. I think Newcastle are very good. And if I can be up, if you've looked at Arsenal, they re, their defense has not been informed. I cannot remember the last time they've kept the clean sheet. That's what I Perfect. said on uh, Wednesday before going into this weekend. <laughs> weak what? defense. You scolded me for saying they had a weak defense on Wednesday. No, 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 no. I think they have a strong defense, but it's been out of form. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think if you look at it, also that back line, though, it's not healthy. Ben White's not there. Tierney's not there. Tomiyasu's just coming back from injury. They've played with a healthy back line for less than half of the season. And when they've been healthy, it's been great. Mm-hmm. You want to talk, take a look, talk about the depth of their defense? That's a whole other story that I could agree with. That's okay. fair. Okay. So... We knew that we know the top four is coming down to the final day. I did not expect, I really did not expect the Premier League title race to come down to the final day. I don't know how many of you saw the planning doc originally, but I initially just put Man City uh, closing on title, and we'll talk about that. As it turns out they drew 2 2 to West Ham, which means they play on the final day. I mean, Liverpool have to get the job done against Southampton. I'm going to assume that they do. City will be ahead of Liverpool by one point in the final day. And they play Aston Villa, managed none other by one Steven Gerrard. Are the stars aligned here? I mean, what a narrative that would be if, you know, Gerrard's Aston Villa denying City the Premier League title and sending it home to Liverpool on the final day. Is there any? Can we see this happening? Don't let it slip. Nice one. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I I don't think that City will give up at this point. And honestly, Pep went with a huge power move today by leaving Gundogan and um, Sterling and Foden all on the bench. He's got a lot of firepower in there, and he knows when to both allow the guys to just go and also when to pull back. So. Um, and the fact that he did make any changes today shows how confident he is in his ability to finish out the rest of the uh, rest of the campaign. Um, Chris, I know you rate Pep very highly as a manager. 
<laughs> what, what do you think about what do you think about the decisions that Pep has made today um, in terms of whether or not it could cost or ultimately benefit City in a week's time? It makes sense. You're resting your players. You have to. It's the only. It's the only thing you have left. It. He has not. This season is nothing to Man City unless they win the Premier League. So you rest Foden. You rest all your players. So therefore, on the last day, it doesn't matter if it's. It's a team that's about to get relegated. Doesn't matter what team it would be. That you just make sure you win that last game. And I think you know, as much as I, I despise Pep Guardiola, it's a smart decision. What smart decision is it to rest his guys? He could have just closed it out today. What I don't I don't understand the smart decision. The smart decision. If City had won today, they're three points ahead with like a plus one they, goal yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know about I don't know what we're talking about wrestling the guys. They got like an eight point goal differential advantage. They went today technically. That's pretty much that. from their home, but like no, the, the season's fucking over. Um, look, it, I think in terms of firepower, what firepower did he leave on the bench? Um, maybe besides Odin. Pawn. They. Ruben Diaz was hurt, so you so you can't say he left any um, right there. I don't think Kyle Walker was fit either. So you go Cancelo and you go Zinchenko, you go De Bruyne, Silva, and Rodri in the midfield. That's their best three in the midfield. Uh, Gundogan's more of a super sub, personally, unless you want to play Silva on the wing, which I don't think is the best option. The only person here. So there's two. I guess the only one you could say is Foden, but I, he didn't dress Foden, so maybe Foden's dealing with some sort of, um, you know, injury as well. You have Mars on the right, who I would go with, and I guess you went Grealish, who scored. So you can't not you can't fault that pick. I don't really see where he rested guys, and I don't understand the point of resting. Like what the hell? He, he didn't make any substitutions in the match. Like he went the full ninety without making any changes. And they still came back from down 2-0. Uh, that's well, what I'm referring to by by leaving oh, them leaving them. Out. Say, well, I mean, look, they should have won the game. They missed the penalty. I mean, I don't right. think you talk the guys. They still, almost, they still almost won. I mean, Pep, that, that's the thing. Pep's so confident in himself, right? And and that's what that's what I mean by like him, him having it all all right, is he didn't have to change anything tactically, and they were down to nothing, right? He could have made some substitutions, he could have been reactionary, like most managers would have been, down 2-0. But he trusted the guys that he put out there. He trusted his tactics, and they made it, made it, made it back. And they would have won today had they not missed the penalty, right? So uh, yeah. that, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying by Pet being on another level than everyone else, right? Is he just knows sometimes, you know? Now, obviously, when it comes to the Champions League, when he over tinkers, that's a different thing. But it seems like today uh, he he knows that he's got it right most of the time. I'd say probably like 99% of the time, Pep's got it right, um, and I don't think uh, they'll falter on the way out. I, I mean, kind of a hold on, but is Pep really, I think we have to question whether or not Pep Guardiola is really a level above some of the other managers. I mean, this is a guy who's had, what, uh, who spent half a billion since he's been at Man City, still hasn't won the Champions League. Uh, I guess I credit him for what he's done in the Premier League, but Liverpool, this is probably going to be the, what, second time where it's gone to the final day. And the budget he has is is so much superior to Liverpool's. I, I don't know what I'm missing here, but it, I mean, I, I think is is it time to ask whether or not Pep is in the same really is in the same company as a manager like Klopp, who's done probably just as much, if not more, or Ancelotti, or or even Antonio Conte. 
is, mean, is that harsh? On the same, he's not in the same place as, as Ancelotti. Just let, let's just get that. He's not. Yeah, I agree. He's he's nowhere near Ancelotti. Nowhere. I agree. I, I Ancelotti made Everton that. really relevant for a year. That's true. No, I agree with that. But I would also argue, Alex, you bring up Liverpool. If we did a combined eleven of Liverpool and City, I think we maybe besides for the midfield, which I think you would go. Probably Tiago over uh, Silva, go Rodri over Fabinho. Rodri over Fabinho, but I don't Okay, well, we could argue that. That could could be argued for another time. Yeah. But that combined 11, you go Allison, you. I get that whole time back line, you probably. No, I know, no, because you you would throw Diaz in there. You would throw, you have to throw Cancelo in there. So you maybe. Yeah. So you go two and two. Let's say let's give it this credit to City, and you go two of the three midfielders in City. Now we're even in terms of three guy uh, in terms of um, four guys each playing, and then you have a front three where, arguably, I think that you could t- just take all of Liverpool's front three. Maybe you go Sterling, maybe you go Foden, but is City really even better than Liverpool in terms of the team that he's that are currently being managed? I guess you could tell me about the money that he's had and that maybe they should have done more with. You look at it signing like Nathan Ake for 45 million, not doing much for them. You said yeah. looking realish a hundred million, not doing much, but in terms of the actual product on the field right now, I don't think there's a big difference or barely any in terms of the quality. Count. I, I think is you I can overpay right. all you want for players, Curry, like they, like they have, right. I mean, they just splash cash and they'll give whatever the first offer is for guys like Sterling or Grealish, right? Like, you think they really had much negotiation with Aston Villa for Grealish in the offseason? Like, when Aston Villa was like, we want 100 mil, they're like, okay, we thought you were going to ask for, like, 200, right? Like, they can pay, overpay, but at the end of the day, there's only so much quality at the top, right? Exactly. And the difference between the top and Liverpool and the top at Man City, like Jesse's saying, is is really not all that great. Right. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think you saw it evident in the game they played, Alex. The 2-2 draw, I mean, that was about as even of a game. I think you could give the edge to City there in terms of, but it's not the Etihad, so maybe that, that is an influence, but about as even of a game as you're going to find out there. Uh, well, okay, but what I would say to that is that I think Klopp has had to be a it's several things. One, I think Klopp has had to be a lot more tactical about when he spent his money. That's that's a luxury that Guardiola, that's, that's, sorry, Guardiola's had a luxury and it's not a luxury that Klopp has had. Um, I, and I think when you look at the the players that Klopp has brought in, Klopp has made them better players, right? I mean, I mean, th- there were several teams queuing up for 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 Jack Wheelish. He, he was one of the hottest properties in Europe last season. You can't really say the same about Mohamed Salah when Liverpool signed him or Luis Diaz, right? I mean, I mean, I know Tottenham were interested, but still, wasn't were you know they weren't getting as much attention. Van Alden, Fabinho, right? To the point of Van Alden's been shit at PSG. Been terrible. Well, I think there's. I mean, that's that's. Well, that's also a PSG I all their, problem. I think all their signings have been pretty bad this season. Yeah, yeah. that's a PSG uh, issue. So I mean, I you know I, I think that's that's just something to to keep in mind as well. And you have to also look at where City were when Guardiola took over and where Liverpool were. City had a squad where most of those players had won the Premier League. What one or two, two or three seasons back, maybe. Liverpool hadn't won a league title in God knows how long. They were struggling to get top four. They probably had one top four finish in, what, seven years, if I had to guess. Uh, and he did the same thing in Dortmund as well. I think Guardiola has – he's achieved when he's walked into teams with – who are just abundant in talent. But he's not built something great. I, I, he's improved Man City, and I would say he's improved Barcelona and Bayern. 
but did he did he truly build them is is the question that we have to ask here the way that Klopp has built Liverpool from from a mediocre team the way he built Dortmund from a mediocre team to title winners to Champions League finalists Liverpool were a Champions League winner uh 2019 could be again in a few weeks time I I think that for me is is the key difference where did they start Guardiola had such a head start did he not I'm I mean, just looking at Chris, Chris's face as you're talking about the chance of winning Champions League and him just <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a not today. That, that's a not happened inside Alex, it looks like from him, which we really should get into. And, yeah. Um, the only thing I would say, you know, for Klopp, he, he you gotta pull a Jose Mourinho and go manage a team like Roma to find out. Is it you mean for Guardiola? I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm saying like you have to pull a Jose Mourinho and, and go and go find out if you can go build a do a rebuilding project the way that Jose is trying to do with Roma. Like, I also uh, don't think that's a requirement for. A I agree. I a hundred. I don't because you look at you look at Ancelotti, which he couldn't do anything with Everton, but look at Real Madrid. What he's doing with Real Madrid, he's in the Champions League final for his fifth fifth time, I believe. Yeah. Fifth. So, as a manager, by the way, been there a few times. Yes, as a yes, as a manager. Oh. I mean, Chris, you, you've mentioned that you, you think some of the players on Man City's roster get more attention because they play in the Premier League and that carries a certain clout. I, I, do, do you think that's something to consider as well? Because this is a group of players who have struggled in Europe. I see Ben nodding his head. They struggled in Europe. They killed in the Premier League. But do we perhaps over uh, – your theory is that we overrate them, right, yes. in the Premier League? If there's this whole entire thing of um, in the Prem. If this, is this, if this player runs the whole entire game, this player – you know, does the tackling, but like not anything else. They're an amazing player. They're a great player. You can win the Prem. Oh my God, great. But then like they do nothing in Europe. The way that you compare teams, right, is not how much like they do in their domestic league because then PSG is one of the greatest teams of all time. It's what you do against the other greats. And I remember that Man City lost to Monaco. And I understand. I understand who was on that Monaco team, but they still lost to Monaco. That's not a team that I would say, oh, that's the best team in the world. People say that they're the best team in the world. I, I've never, I have, there's not one point I've seen Man City be the best team in the world. Is How impressive is it for Man City to win the Premier League if they do? Is it an impressive achievement at this point, Ben? I mean, <laughs> To win the Premier League, I mean, we, we got to expect this out of Man City, right? Like, like the two teams that are at the top are the two teams that should be at the top right now in the fight, right? I mean, it's very clear that there's a gap between, and not just in the table, but just in general, quality, uh, um, ability, coaching, all of that between the top two and literally everyone else, right? City and Liverpool have the biggest budgets in the league by far, regardless of whether you want to discount that, Curry, and say that, you know, Man City have the big budget and all this, like, you guys are in the same plane, you're in the same tier, um, and, and you're at the top, right? So one of the two of you, theoretically, every year should be winning a league, right? It's like, you know, if you look across the domestic leagues, right, like, it's ridiculous that Barcelona and Real Madrid, for instance, on most years, like, obviously this year different, but... Those are the two teams that should be at the top of the league, theoretically, right? You're looking at spending, you're looking at players, you're looking at development, right? The Real Madrid, Barcelona both have incredible academies, and that's why these teams are at the top, right? Liverpool, Man City, pretty good scouting, huge budgets, right? I mean, it's the same thing if you look in Paris, right? Uh, Paris being at the top of the French League. You know, big budgets tend to outdo little budgets, right? Big bank, take little bank. 
and you know the top teams are able to siphon players up from the top Juventus is guilty of that too I'm not going to exempt my club from that but you know yeah you know that's what should be expected I don't I don't think it's a surprise that City's there I don't think it's a shock I don't think they're the great you know oh my god look at what Pep's had to overcome to come here right like they're expected to be here and so are Liverpool it'd be more it would be more surprising if you know Arsenal won that would yes. be something that I would say oh my god great job to Arsenal but like like going back to the 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 you know, 2010s when Real Madrid and Barcelona with, you know, Pep and Mourinho, was it a surprise that those teams were being first and second? No, no one was like, great job, Barcelona. No, no one cared that because it made sense. It makes sense that those teams are getting first. Ben, do you, Chris, I I know your reasons are that La Liga didn't get the same attention when, when their teams were were, were dominating uh, in the early, the early 2010s. Ben, I don't, you probably feel that the Premier League didn't get that kind of, sorry, that Serie A didn't get that kind of clout uh, when it was, you know, Juventus and, and AC Milan making those deep runs in Europe in the early 2000s. I mean, is, is, is that something that, that you still think? I, I mean, so I think part of that comes from the fact that, A, the British media is super sensational. And so when somebody does well, they flip out and it's like the greatest thing they've ever seen. You know, Johnny Evans makes one crazy tackle and all of a sudden he's the greatest English center back ever to ever exist, right? Uh, the English media are really quick to tout their own horns, talk about their own teams. I mean, you can hear it on broadcasts of games in, in Europe, right? Who do the announcers talk about 10 out of 10? And most of the time it's because they're British, but who are they talking about on the broadcast for 60 to 80% of the match? It's the English team that's in the game, right? When we were watching Liverpool Villarreal, it's clear that the announcers didn't know squat about Villarreal, Right. This is a team Villarreal who's in a semifinal for, and has a chance to play for a Champions League. And all they can talk about is how Liverpool's played the league and Liverpool's rivalry with City and Liverpool's XYZ. Like, sorry, but like, you're not everything in the Prem, okay? Yeah, they're in a pretty good row of form right now because the teams with the biggest budgets and the lack of, and, and the most managerial structure like Liverpool and Man City are the ones who are making their forays into the Champions League. And, you know, people can say, oh, that's the telltale sign, right? You know, but... The fact of the matter is, Man City being in Champions League final last year against Chelsea, those teams have infinitely higher budgets than a team like a Villarreal or a Sevilla or an Ajax, right, who they're competing with. So, yeah, I mean, and everybody overrates them, too. And I, I could go on for hours about this, but some of it, too, in America, like, we get all of that bias because we're not reading the news in Spanish. We're not reading the news in Italian that's coming out from the domestic leagues. We're definitely not reading the news in French because that is a farmer's league. But, like, you know, if you compare the leagues across, right, there are teams that have had success in other in other leagues right there you know um and i think we we fall victim to seeing that oh if this player plays in the premier league and they play well in the premier league they're automatically a god amongst ben versus you know say i think a lot of people have underrated benzema for instance because they don't see him every saturday playing in the prem right and that's why when he comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden like benzema has been a top player for his entire career but we've ignored that for so many years because a he's played second fiddle a lot at Real Madrid to a lot of people, and on top of that, you know he's not in England. Oh, can can Benzema do it on a on a rainy night at Stoke? Like, <laughs> I don't think he has to. He's won Who four cares? champions. He's won four Champions Leagues. Like, why exactly. would exactly? He... I I think you know the the idea that the Premier League supremacy the, that reigns so supreme, especially in our English consumption markets, right? Um, it really has a big impact on what we consume, what we think, who we think are the best players, right? If some Premier League team is interested in somebody, all of a sudden, like when Chelsea was pulling in Werner, 
Okay. All of a sudden Warner's the greatest forward who's ever played the game. You know, like people in England got to relax. It, you're not that. <laughs> I, I think it's a good point. I think there's a few other aspects though, why the APL are so popular. Um, number, number one is that it's the comment, the commentating and the, and the biggest language out there is English. Um, just, and, and to be honest, I mean, I don't care to, I, I, the game, when I have to watch a game in Spanish or a game in French or Italian, it's not as interesting to me. If I don't understand what the commentators are saying, I might as well just have it on mute and watching a game without commentators as bad as they could be at times. is just not as much fun. It's less, you know, I'm probably going to get sidetracked and not watch it as much of the game. So I, I think that's one thing to, to consider. Uh, I do think that's a good point, but um, do do you think that, when you look at some of these teams that are some of the players, who who do you think gets a little bit too much attention? Like, cause I can think of plenty of guys that come in to EPL and, and get it. I'm just, I'm just curious to hear, like, is there anyone in the prem that you could like highlight and go, that guy gets way too much attention. Slabhead. That's the first one that comes to mind. Uh, I, I mean, like. Which one? So- Harry McGuire. McGuire, McGuire's that's a great point. Slab like, at number one, right? I mean, he's just an English defender. He's not good. I can think of about 50. I can come up with a list of 50 defenders and, and I'll point back to the Euro 2020, right? When they were comparing Italy's squad to England's squad, right? Everybody was talking about Harry Maguire, blah, 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 blah. Harry Maguire, he's tall. He does all this. He does all that, right? They have the songs to hype him up. <laughs> I mean, and look how where Harry Maguire's fallen now, right? Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Ben. Do you think that Harry Maguire stands a shot? Would it stand a shot at making the English national team if he didn't play in the Prem? Honestly, probably not. If you look across, like Chris Smalling and all these other guys, like Tamori and, and yeah, players Chris who play Smalling elsewhere, like no, I mean it's a recency bias, right? Because if you if they're I mean, and this happens in other national teams too, right? There are plenty of Italian players that don't play for the Italian national team simply because they play elsewhere. Like when uh, Graziano Pele went and played in China, okay? That was the end of his national team career. Javinko went to MLS, he played his life off, and, you know, that was the end of his career. Like, he didn't come back to the national team He left after he left Italy. Now, sure. if you play elsewhere in Europe, obviously, Jorginho, Emerson, these guys do play in the, in the Italian national team, but... But they I also think, play, we're just talking about still the Prem being the number one. Well, they play where they're going to get a lot of news hype, right? Um, and, and obviously, like, you know, players who play in Spain from Italy also in Germany, they also fill in a national team because those are the other big leagues around Europe. So that's normal. But like, I, I don't I think there's a there's a love affair with some of these historic teams and some of these players. And, you know, in England that like a has a like like a Harry Maguire who draw so much attention to themselves, even though like in the grand scheme of things, if you want to do a side by side comparison, you know, you can look at their FIFA cards and that's bs anyway but like you know if you want to if you had like an actual fifa card of like a real player like are you going to take harry Maguire over like the top 15 italian center backs probably not i mean i, th- I think the counter argument to that is uh when it comes to the premier league getting all this clout right it, it, look at the past couple of years from from 2018 onwards there's been an english team in the final and four of the last fi- uh four of the last five finals uh, there were two English teams in 2019. We were pretty much seconds away from having a second straight all-English final this year. Uh, United were in the Europa League final uh, last season, right? So 
I mean, when you, the, if you look at how the Premier League teams are performing in Europe, I, I would still say they're performing well enough to merit that kind of, you know, th- that kind of reputation where the Premier League really is the the place where but, they play. But it, it, it had, for the last, what, best, since 2018, sure, okay, I'll, maybe the per- Premier League has been, but it, it hasn't just been the last few years. It's been yeah. forever. And then, like I was telling you before, Perry, look at from the period of 2014 to 2018, who won the Europa League and who won Champions League? That was a Spanish club for both, except for yeah. one year, which I think 2017, that's when Manchester United won, I believe. Won in, won in we, we, we could think uh, uh, the great Villarreal and good evening, good evening person, Unai Emery, for a lot of that. Because, I mean, Sevilla, see, if you want to talk about, like, Sevilla just conquered Europa League for a a very long time, yeah, so like a half a decade. Yeah, and no but, one says the Spanish true. league is the so best. It's, league, but... it's a great point. I mean, if we don't want to talk about a little bit, like the like, I could compare Sevilla to like let's compare Sevilla to like West Ham for a second, which I think is a fair comparison. West Ham get ten times more talk than Sevilla do. Um, West West Ham get in a, the conversation a lot. Maybe it's because they do have a you know a phenomenal talent in Declan Rice there, but even without that, they still. They get primetime television games. They get talked about a lot. I think you guys make a great point because if I look at a team like Sevilla, they've accomplished way more in the last five to six years than West Ham. Or we could talk about Leicester City in the same way. They've had a disappointing year this year. But in general, they've had a lot of success, a lot of talk, a lot of media. They haven't accomplished the same amount that... And Chris, what I would say to that, though, is that is, is that Sevilla or, or do you judge the the entire league based on what Sevilla have done? Because if you look at the the Champions League finalists, we've what four we've had four separate English teams in a Champions League final in the past five years. I'm not but comparing that's the cream of the crop. It's got to be yeah. the whole league through and through. Yeah, I, know. I, I, I agree. Yeah, that, that's with I, Sevilla's one team. We're having more. The, the, there are more teams in the Premier League that that are performing at a higher level but, in Europe. Than, look, than if you if you want to say exception, but Real Madrid's one. Okay, Real Madrid. But this this is another thing I'll say that that about you know throughout you know league right I I I think this is one of my favorite things to tell you fun fact what was the first league to have five clubs in Champions League what was the first league was it was it it was La Liga the next year the Premier League did have five clubs I will say but but. If, if you want to look like top to bottom in terms of quality, I, I don't think that the cream of the crop and showing up in finals is necessarily the this, this same, right? Now, obviously, performance is important. I think if you look at who makes the round of 16, it's important, right? The Spanish clubs mostly made it through. The English clubs mostly made it through. There was a few Italian clubs that made it through. And, you know, you have to look at the full field of 16 of like when you're putting a group together, right? Who's rising to the top? And now some of that is matchups, right? Like you're not going to say, oh, if a Portuguese team makes the final, all of a sudden a Portuguese team is the best league. Like, come on, let's be real about that, right? If, if we're working with a full league, you know, I really think it comes down to, like you said, like Jesse was talking about airtime, right? With West Ham getting a ton of airtime over a club like Sevilla, it's marketing, right? And, and the Premier League has done a masterful job of making themselves the de facto league. They were one of the first clubs to, make a um, foray into the American television and provide their games, obviously in English, but on a na- on a national network. Okay. And now games for the Spanish league and the Italian league are becoming more accessible, but that wasn't always the case. And so a lot of people, especially at our age with the being young, right. 
you watched the Premier League on a Saturday morning and that was how you developed your club affiliation. Curry, I, I imagine, you know, I imagine that's something that you did growing up. You watched Premier League football on the weekend because it was the accessible league, right? Now, Juventus being your secondary club, it's not always been accessible to watch Juventus games. It's not, I mean, I had a Premier League team growing up. I used to root for Manchester United back in the day because that was all I could watch. I couldn't watch the Italian league because it wasn't on TV and it wasn't in English. Ben, why don't you like Man United anymore? I can give you a lot of reasons for that, but I also changed, I adapted a lot in what I liked in style of football, right? So, you know, I watched Italian soccer. All right, Jesse, I watched Italian soccer and, uh, you know, I fell in love a lot more with the style, right? It's a nice defensive battle. It's a chess match. It's tactically sound. It's not just, we're going to take the fastest guys in the league, in the world, and just run them at another club, right? There's, there's a design to that. And I think there's merits to the different leagues. And you can tell a lot about the style of the league based on the country that they're in. And there, there's, you know, some of that's not for everybody. People don't like to see defensive battles and that's fine. So uh, the Premier League often has exciting drama and speed and goal scoring and all of that and crazy things happening, including Leicester winning and, you know, all of that. But, you know, some people just don't appreciate that. And some people aren't exposed to different types of football and they don't know anything better, right, than the Premier so Jesse has to bounce in in a, in a couple of minutes, but let's transition. I'll give I'll, Jesse. I'll give you the first word here. Uh, Champions League final between an English team and a Spanish team. Uh, what are we looking out for uh, between when, when Liverpool face off against Real Madrid? Key match. I think a few, what are the narratives? I, I think a few things. Um, you want to talk about narrative? Or you want to talk, talk tactics? Because you know I'm big on tactics. Sure. So I, I think you know. You want to talk about tactics, I think number one, you have to look at the matchup of Vinicius Jr. versus Trent Alexander-Arnold. The speed of Vinicius is going to force Trent to potentially not be able to overlap and attack as much. I secondly potentially expect them, if they want to really hone in and less counterattacks for Vinicius, normally Van Dyke plays on the side closer to Robertson of that um, back four. I think tactically it makes sense to bring him over to the right side as he's going to have more speed than, do you think they're going to start Matip or Konate? I think they go with Konate. Konate's played No, if they go with Konate, then they're Konate probably- Konate's not lost a single game in a Liverpool jersey. Good point. And by the way, speaking of great people that don't get en enough recognition until they come to the prep, Konate being another one yeah. there, um, which I told you when, when they signed him, was a phenomenal signing. Um, then maybe not, but I still think that maybe they don't need to switch that. But I still think that's an interesting matchup to look at. How much is Trent going to push up knowing that at any point they have a Tony Cruz, they have a Modric that can play that long ball over the top. And then once he gets, you know, once Vinicius gets going, I mean, it's a decent finisher, but you start bringing Benzema into the attack. Um, that's number one. The second thing, and Chris, I'm curious to hear from you. I'm going to turn this to you. That right wing spot has been a mix of Rodrigo, Valverde, Asensio. Who fills that hole on the right side? Because you got to imagine Benzema and Vinicius. You know the middle, you know the front three, and you know the defense. Who? That's the only spot that I'm curious to hear what you think is going to play. So this is the thing. I um, Two things. I think they're probably going to put Valverde. Valverde has been a different animal for Real Madrid. I mean, he provides a lot. He provides the defense because he'll run all the way back and he'll defend, but also he's a fairly creative uh, player. Rodrigo, I think he's going to be subbed on. He's, he's young. That, that's a lot, lot, lot. It's the same reason that you're not going to see Kamavinga play the whole entire game. Kamavinga and, and um, Rodrigo are great players, but they're not going to play a whole 90 minutes. They're going to be subbed on when the game 
needs to be won. So I think you're going to see Valverde. He provides a lot more than Asensio does because Asensio is just a attack-minded player. He's not really going to defend as much. And then probably in the second half, you know, probably 15, depending on what the score is, you know, 20, 15 minutes until, you know, it's going to end, you're going to see probably, you're probably going to see Rodrigo get subbed in. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. One is Valverde. He brings a lot more composure being a more of a midfield player slash right winger. Then you could say that he could easily play in the midfield, a lot more composure, more ball control. If we're looking at more of a 50, 50 possession game versus a counterattack game from Real, then I think Valverde is absolutely the move. You also be able to start as the defenders get tired. I really, I don't see unless Liverpool's up or, or down. I'm, I'm sorry, if they're down, taking off any of that back four as they really don't have anywhere near the caliber of talent, um, unless you potentially say Kanate for Matip. That would be the only thing I could see. You bring in someone like Rodrigo, who's got a lot more speed than Valverde. All of a sudden, we, we start looking at tired legs, a Robertson tired legs, who's making the runs up and down versus Rodrigo, who's ready to run. And we saw that against Man City, him coming on, getting, you know, beating, beating guys to the spot for him to score. So I think that's it. Anyway, bounce. Um, Jesse, take care. Thank you. I'm just going to give a quick, quick prediction here, though. With that, I think Liverpool are too talented. I think they are a better team. And I'm going to go 2-0. I don't think they score. Uh, that's a bold prediction. Uh, Jesse, oh, like I hope your sports predictions are wrong tonight, too. Uh, not giving Chris time to respond, but Chris will be back for sure before, before the final. To, but, you know, on, on Jesse's point about Robertson, and Ben and Chris will we'll leave your predictions to a bit later. I, I actually expect, someone I expect to make an appearance is Kosa Simikas at left back because he brings that same kind of energy, um, very good at both ends of the pitch. Um, and I definitely think we can expect Rodrigo to, to come on at some stage late in the game. I mean, that's what we've seen at every, pretty much every point in the knockout stages with Real Madrid. Um, came on against, obviously, uh, PSG, Chelsea, City, made a difference in all of them. So I think I can definitely see Klopp resorting to Simikas if Robertson's on those tired legs. Um, ben, why don't we get you in here? What, what are your thoughts about how this pans out, um, key matchups, et cetera? Okay. Um, I think going back to what I was talking a little bit about the Arsenal-Tottenham comparison, I really think the Madrid-Liverpool comparison kind of also applies there in terms of maturity. I think Madrid have a younger team, a little less mature team. Um, there are obviously, there's a good mix in there with your Benzema's and, and your Asensio's and your, your older players that have been there for a long time. Uh, but I think there's a ton of talent all around. I, I don't think that this match, uh, as Jesse confidently said, would finish 2-0. I, I think this game goes to extras. Um, I, I think this is going to be a very tightly contested affair unless something crazy goes Liverpool's way and they take the lead. But I think at the end of the day, Liverpool are also experienced in playing in long finals. I think playing in that FA Cup was a very good experience for them. Uh, Real have kind of been coasting up at the top of La Liga for a while. And so I, I think maybe Liverpool comes out on top here in extras or pens. Um, Chris, why don't we give you a chance to respond? So my honest opinion about this game, I do think Real Madrid's going to win. I think it's going to be 2-1. But I think the important thing is David Alba has been hurt for the last, I think, three games. It all depends on how healthy he is because I don't think the, the back line of of Nacho and uh, Minitao is the greatest. 
I think there's, especially today, I don't know if you guys saw the game, there was a lot of mistakes done today. But also, I think the when we talk about actual experience for Real Madrid, yes, they have less players that have experience, but you have to talk about that midfield alone. That, 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 that midfield alone is going up for their fifth Champions League. They, that midfield alone will have the equivalent amount of Champions League trophies if they win as Barcelona. Or same thing with Benzema. These players have seen it, it all. Like when, you know, I, I was thinking about Real Madrid's comeback with Manchester City. I was like, wow, that's really amazing. And people are saying that they've never done that before. And then I thought about it. Does anyone remember how they won their 10th Champions League? That's in the last second. That is legitimately in the last second. Real Madrid has seen it all when it comes to a Champions League. They've gone to pens. They've 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 had a shutout of beating Juventus 4-1. Don't talk about it. I'm also Juventus fan, so that, that's all that, that's all out, but... I mean okay. Uh that, 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 that's all we're gonna go for that game. Um but you know, I, I think this team does have the 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 quality up front in the midfield. I actually and, and the fullbacks. I actually think it's a lot closer than people are making it out to be. Like people are making it out as if Liverpool are the clear favorites. That that simply is not true. If you look at how they perform in the league, they're at it's the Premier League echo chamber. Roughly each the same amount of points in the league. Uh Madrid have had a far tougher run getting to the Champions League final. I mean, a lot of people are going to talk about how vulnerable they looked against, you know, Chelsea and PSG and, and Man City, but Liverpool aren't going to look as vulnerable with all respect against Villarreal and Benfica. They're just not a, as tough an opponent. Um, so, I, you know, league performances, pretty, pretty similar. Madrid have had a better run. I'm obviously going to back my team, just like Chris, you're going to back yours. I, I, think, I think there are a few things that, for me, give Liverpool the edge. One is that Liverpool are still fighting every single game for, for a trophy. Every single game matters for them. It's keeping the match sharp. With Real Madrid, um, they're not. You know, they, they've won La Liga. They don't really have to worry about these next few games. Now, having said that, if there's one team in the world that can switch it on at any given, any given uh, minute's notice, it's Real Madrid. I mean, we've seen that. They immediately turn it on. All of a sudden, um, Chelsea, PSG, City, you name it, just are, are blown out of the water. But I, I, I do think that bit of match sharpness gives Liverpool an edge. And like you mentioned, Ben, um, on that note, you know, they've been in two finals already this season, 120 minutes. Uh, you know, it's, it's a different, you know, Real, Real Madrid is a different proposition than, than Chelsea. I'll give you that. But I, I just think mentally it prepares them. They've, they're, they're familiar with this going through that grind. Um, I, I'm going to lean, I'm actually going to go 3-2 Liverpool. I, I think Benzema and Vinicius can cause a lot of problems. But likewise, you know, especially if Alba's not fit, um, I think that front three with, with Liverpool and just the options they have bringing off the bench, Firmino, Jota, even Origi, who, you know, knows how to score a big goal or two. Um, I, I'm going to go 3-2 Liverpool. But with that, um, any, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? Hala Madrid, not a must. That's it. That's all I can say. Ben, ben, you hate both teams. Who are you rooting for here? Uh, honestly, I'd love this. I'd love the stadium to just explode, um, <laughs> which is messed up. It's messed up. But I think, um, honestly, I'd, I'd rather take a Madrid here, just 
just because I, I think it would be incredible. And, you know, with the guys that they have, like Rakitic and Modric who are on their way out, or not Rakitic, I'm sorry, Modric and um, Asensio and guys who are sort of in the latter half of their career, I think it would be really, really good for them to uh, have a nice sending off. Um, I think I hate Liverpool probably more than Real Madrid, even though Real has caused me so many sad days in the past. Uh, I'm going to link most of those up to Ronaldo and not Madrid as a club. So, um, And Sergio Ramos. Who's and, there? Well, and Sergio Ramos has given you a lot of hell, Puri, yeah. uh, including more, more knocking so, out Lourdes, than you. And, yeah. and knocking out Laurie's Carius too, so that they won that game, which was ridiculous because he was 100% concussed. But uh, last thing, referees need to be held accountable. They need to have post-game press conferences, and they need to get grilled in the same way the players are because half the time these players could just throw up their hands and say, I don't know, ask the ref. Um, I think this applies to all sports. Uh, uh, Jesse's no longer here, but the Rangers are a dirtbag franchise who have gotten away with murder in this series too. Also aided by officiating. Uh, so hope this goes in the pod. I hope Jesse hears this at the end. But it will. It will. Um, um, ben, who are you taking for the Pittsburgh and Rangers? I'm hoping if Sidney Crosby plays tonight, it's Penguins. We've dominated them the entire series. The only reason that they're in this game seven right now is because they elbowed Sid in the head, and that was a dirty hit. And I don't care what anybody says. Uh, if you leave your elbow up with your pad on, I mean, I've, I've felt a hockey elbow pad. I have one right here. Uh, they're extremely difficult to take to the face and walk away without a concussion. So um, I'm thinking if this game comes down to fair hockey five on five, the Penguins have dominated every single game in the series besides maybe game two and uh, this the most recent game, uh, game six, which I attended both uh, game four and game six. And let me tell you, uh, they're lucky this game's in Madison Square. That's really the only wrinkle here. But if it were home, we, we would definitely win this. By the way, Madison Square is where, where is where Chris is. So, so Chris, I mean, this actually directly affects your graduation because he's graduating. Yes, it really does. So, do, do you have a preference on who you want to win here? Does it matter? Um, I, I would like the it's the Penguins, right? Yeah. Yep. I want the Penguins to win, so I know what day I have to show up to Madison Square Garden. Fair enough. I, 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 I'll I just, take that. Just, That's right, Jesse. I know you. I know you listening to this, bro. I guess he got off at just the right time. He, he shot on Real Madrid and just bounced. Um, <laughs> also, that I want Jesse to suffer because he said that about Real Madrid. Um, so with that, I'm Alex Perry. Jesse Levine was obviously on bounce, but Ben and Chris, always great to have you guys on. Thank you. Take care.